0: It is one of the toughest things to do in our lives, yet it is one of the most essential and necessary things if we are to survive this life, prayer. So how do we pray effectively, and how do we maintain an effective prayer life? Well, that'll be the subject of our series, We Begin Next, here on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Prayer, we've heard it dozens of times. We know it ourselves to be true, one of the challenging aspects of our walk and faith in Christ. Yet it is so vital and necessary for a vibrant life in Christ. So how do we maintain this prayer life? Well, Today, we want to begin our time together by looking at 12 practical keys to effective prayer. Won't you join us as we begin a series on prayer? Here's Pastor Steve Converse now with today's broadcast. We're taking a little
1: break from Romans for a couple weeks. Um, A lot going on in our nation. We have an election coming up. We also have a lot of turmoil, a lot of anxiety, a lot of strife going on. And and I think that one thing that would um, help us in the, the area of living in the culture in which we live is to kind of refocus our hearts on who's really in control. And refocus our hearts on also the idea that God has called us to be a people a church of prayer and if there's one thing we need I think in our churches and in our country is more prayer amen and we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ I don't want us to fall into the trap of believing that somehow the answer for all the strife, for all the unrest in our country and really the world, as you look at the whole world, it's not just about our country, but the whole world is in unrest, that somehow, uh, don't make the mistake that somehow we can find the answer in politics or political leaders. Uh, That's not going to be the answer to our problems, beloved. I think that we have... Uh, It's not really a command to go vote, but I think that it is a right as an American. And I think we need to make the most of that. And uh, I'll be sharing something with you last, next week, a little bit about that. I think when you look to politics and the political world for answers, uh, they always come up short. They'll always end in disappointment. And basically, they never last. It's never permanent lasting change. We know that only the Lord Jesus Christ can do that, right? Through the transformation of people's hearts, through the transformation of lives, one heart at a time. But we live in anxious times. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said this about anxiety. He, He said, Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but only empties today of its strength. And if any of you have been anxious over something... No matter what it is. It could be family members, it could be marriage, it could be finances, could be a lot of different things There's, you could pick, right, from the laundry list of things that we could grow anxious over each day. You know, it does sap you of your strength. It really does. It, it kind of sucks the life right out of you. And, and Paul told us not to be anxious for anything but what? But prayer and supplication, okay, bring these requests before God. And so that means becoming a people of prayer is not just the study of a bunch of doctrines that's important we've been talking about that in Romans but it's not just about doctrines he actually says that okay that's an important part of it but he also wants us God wants us to pray to be involved in the activity of prayer to pray as individuals to pray as families to pray with friends to pray in groups to pray as the body of believers as a whole to pray and that's really what this series is all about It's about calling our hearts back to prayer. Because prayer, you know, and I'm not standing up here as some big prayer giant, okay? Because prayer is is a hard thing for me to do. So I like to look at, at, at what Paul says about prayer. And we're going to be looking at this, but prayer all the time. It's an attitude. It's not just an action. And and so I look at it that way, and that kind of removes some of the guilt when I'm not on my knees. But but in in the long run, we need to increase that time, right, on our knees. I think every one of us here would, none of us would say, oh, I pray too much. No. We all could use more prayer because it takes commitment. And at times it may require reordering our schedule. But it's very, very important. And we must not sacrifice the important on the altar of the urgent. How many of you do that? I do that. I'll stand here and admit it. We need to be encouraged to pray. But we also need to be taught how to pray. And and that's what, you know, Jesus said. Prayer, after all, is, is a discipline of the Christian life. It's a practice to be learned. It's a practice to be cultivated. It doesn't just happen automatically. Jesus told his disciples when they asked him, they asked him, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. They went to him and they asked him, teach us to pray in Luke 11. You know, we should be asking that same thing. We should be asking ourselves, you know what, are we praying? Are we praying in the correct manner? And so this series on prayer for the next couple weeks is an ideal way to meet that desire. Lord, teach us to pray. So we will pray for his will to be done, his kingdom to come. And you know what, that doesn't mean that we can't love our country in the meantime. As a matter of fact, I think that if we understand prayer properly, we can even love our country more. But there's a biblical mandate here for the church to be on its knees, to be bringing their concerns before him. Uh, Webster defines a premise as this, a basis for understanding and action. A premise is a basis for understanding and action. And the basic premise of this prayer series is the biblical mandate of prayer. It gives us a basic understanding of what we find throughout God's word on the subject of prayer. And this isn't an in-depth sermon or in-depth study on prayer. You could spend years on that subject. But it's meant to be an overview. It's meant to kind of wet our appetite again. It's meant to bring us back to the basics. You've all heard the story of Vince Lombardi who on the first day of football practice every year he'd hold up a football and say, Gentlemen, this is a football. And he would start at the very, very basics instructing his team how they could be winners on the field. Well, we want to look at this, nat- this, this series in the nature of, you know what? This is prayer. Are we doing it? It's not just a program or an interesting thing to do. It's a spiritual commitment that holds really potential for spiritual results. Charles Spurgeon also said this, we shall never see much change for the better in our churches in general till prayer meetings occupy a higher place in the esteem of Christians. I'd have to agree with him on that. See, when we pray, it's vital that we pray in the right way, but we also pray with the right objectives. There's a lot of people who pray but they pray in a wrong manner and they pray with wrong objectives. So this morning I want to give you 12 quick practical keys to effective prayer. And like I said, this is not an in-depth study. We usually don't do topical studies. But for the next couple of weeks, that's what we're going to do. And the subject is going to be prayer. But we do have to be reminded that we need to be praying because we're commanded to pray for those in authority over us. And that includes our government officials so the first practical key here on the list is basically pray persistently pray persistently Um, please understand God's delays are not denials sometimes God may delay an answer to prayer but you know what that doesn't mean he's not going to answer that prayer in Revelation 22 20 we pray even so quickly come Lord Jesus but you know what he hasn't come yet but you know what? That doesn't mean he's not going to. See, he will. And God will hear when we persist in prayer. Luke 18.1 says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Have you ever lost heart when you're praying? I'll tell you what, I have. Sometimes I'm praying for something, man, it just doesn't seem possible that anything's happening. And you lose heart and you give up. Maybe it's for that relative that you think, man, that person is never going to come to the Lord. Don't ever lose heart. The Bible is very clear that we must keep on asking. We must keep seeking. Luke 11, we must keep knocking. It says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. But you have to learn from biblical examples. Uh, Over in Matthew, turn over to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. We're going to be jumping around a little bit today. Matthew 15, verse 21. This is basically the the Canaanite woman here. And verse 21, it says, "And, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Look at what it says in verse 23. But he did not answer her a word. That seems kind of rude. But he had a purpose. And his disciples came and begged him. Saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. In other words, this is getting kind of obnoxious here, Lord. Send her away. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. Verse 26. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. She said in verse 27, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the master's table. In other words, she's not giving up. She's not giving up. That whole idea of her being a dog and, you know, we just got out of there. Romans chapter 10, we talked a little bit about their idea of anybody else who is not Israeli and their attitude about them. Well, it comes out right here. And in verse 28, Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. She could have gave up on the first try. She could have said, well, he's not going to help me. You know, he's not going to do anything for me. You look over at Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And these are just instances where people didn't give up. And hopefully they're encouraging to your heart. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. This is the blind man who just doesn't give up. Uh, he, He refuses to stop crying out for the Lord. It says in verse 46, And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to shut up, be silent. But he cried out all the more, (laughs) didn't give up. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me, what do you want for me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. No big tent, not a big show. He says, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. He could have gave up the first time when the people told him to shut up, but he didn't. He refused to. Look over at Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And he said to them, this is right after basically the Lord's prayer, disciples' prayer. He says, "He said to them, which of you has a friend, as a, who, who has a friend, will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Um, it's so important that we are reminded of these texts of Scripture, or in Luke chapter 18, where you see the widow who basically wore down the, the, the judge, the persistent widow. Jesus is telling this parable, Luke 18:1, and he told them a parable to the effect that they all ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary for a while He refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will Uh, not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? We need to be taught to be. Be praying persistently. Do not lose heart. Do not give up. Secondly, pray insistently. You know, you have to pray at all times. And you have to pray with a spirit kind of of desperation, knowing that that's the only way. You know, if you go through the Bible, prayer a lot of times is crying out to God. It's crying out to God. So we have to pray with great fervor. The Bible says in James that the righteous person praying can accomplish much. Over in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, it says, So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And we know how that worked out. Phil Brooks said this about prayer. In prayer, we do not conquer God's reluctance. Rather, we take hold of his willingness. See, that's so important for us to get. That we need to to pray in a way that it comes from a desperate heart. So thirdly, pray confidently. Pray confidently. Allow God to work in response to your prayer. Uh, don't be like Abraham or Jacob who tries to answer their own prayer. Have you ever done that? You prayed for something and then, ah, I'm going to work this out myself. And then, you know, usually it doesn't work out the way you thought. And you know, well, I prayed about it. But you, you kind of went ahead and did your own thing anyway. You know, that's what Jacob did in, in, in Genesis 32:11. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, From the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he may come and attack me, the mothers, with the children. And when you stop and you think of of what he's doing here, okay, he's asking God, he's telling God kind of what to do. The same thing Abraham did. But we need to be spiritually confident in prayer, relying on God's unlimited power and unlimited resources. You know, that's a wonderful thing to know that when we, we come before God in prayer... That you know what? He is able to do abundantly beyond what we can even ask. That's what Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says. Now to him who is able to do far abundantly, far more abundantly than even all that we can ask or think. According to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. See we need to be reminded that we need to pray with some confidence. And I think the church has kind of been beaten down to the point where they've forgotten the whole aspect of prayer. I know as a youth pastor, we used to do rallies it's actually coming up here, I think uh, uh, see you at the pool rallies, and we would encourage local uh, kids on their campuses to meet at the flagpole at seven o'clock, and, and they'd get in a circle and they pray. They pray for the teachers, they pray for the administration. Fourthly, pray resistantly. Look at Ephesians chapter six, Ephesians six verse 12. It says, therefore, we do not wrestle, look at this, against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. In verse 13, he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand what? Stand firm. Beloved, we're not fighting a fight against flesh and blood. That's what the Bible says. But it's against these, these rulers, authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And if you don't think we need to be praying for our families, for our marriages, for our churches, for our country, for the world, you're mistaken. So we need to recognize the enemy, first of all. We also need to recognize the enemy's tactics. We need to recognize the enemy's tactics. First, Porter, or First Peter 4, 7 says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be, look at what it says, self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Don't be distracted. Okay, Don't be distracted by things around you. Uh, don't, don't allow the enemy to take, take what's going on in your life and make that the focal point of everything. He says in 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. What's he trying to do? He says, seeking someone to devour. You know, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be around a lion that's seeking to devour somebody. That doesn't sound like a very happy place to be. And, and to be honest with you, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on today within the church You know, you have people out there thinking they're going to bind Satan and do all this stuff. That's crazy talk. You know, my question to them is, you know what? If you think you have the power through your prayers to bind Satan, who unbinds him? Because last time I checked, he's not bound. So that's silly talk. All right? That's that stuff that, that needs to be, you don't find that in Scripture. We need to pray in a way that we understand what's going on. We, we, we have to make sure that we are focused on what God wants us to be focused on. How many times have you gone to prayer and then all of a sudden through your head starts, you know, maybe your, your failure in an area of your life and sin or, or past experiences that maybe you didn't do the right thing. All this stuff starts flooding your mind. That's not just a coincidence. That's the enemy trying to very hard get you refocused on maybe some failure in your life or whatever. We need to stop that and stop, start reminding ourselves who we are in Christ. That we're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that we have resonant within us <clears throat> the very power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The power of the Holy Spirit. And so when we go to prayer, we need to be recognizing that. There's potential change that can take place when we pray in a way that God prescribes. Well, fifthly here, pray specifically. We need to acknowledge dependence on the Lord by being specific about things. In Luke 11:5, you notice there that the man didn't ask just for bread, but he asked for three loaves. So we don't want to be just general. God's concern is for us as individuals, not just corporately, but as individuals. And so we need to pray specifically. Avoid generalizations in prayer. When we intercede, it has a specific focus. I mean, praying for a specific missionary by name and their needs is, does a lot more than just saying, God bless all the missionaries in the world. That's why it's good to keep a, a, a prayer journal, a prayer list, however you want to do it. A prayer guide. Well, the sixth thing here is, is is pray unceasingly, and you see in First Thessalonians chapter five, I alluded to this earlier verse seventeen, Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. I remember I was taking uh, somebody to the airport, a speaker, I guess it was We're getting close to the airport, and I thought, oh man, I forgot to pray you know for this individual, and uh, we're driving down one o one to s f o and I just kind of just kind of. Lord reminded me, well, I need to pray for him. And I thought it's going to be hard to do it, getting the bags out, and the cops are trying to get you to move on from the airport. So I thought, you know, I said, you know what? <clears throat> Hold on a second. We're just going to, I'm just going to pray for you right now, brother. And he kind of chuckled. me goes, you're not going to close your eyes, are you? I said, no. And we just had a word of prayer right there while we're driving down the freeway. Okay? See, don't, get, don't fall into the trap that prayer has to be somewhere at a certain time, in a certain posture, in a certain way. You know, it's an attitude. It's an attitude of dependence upon God. That's what prayer is. And yeah, prayer is communicating with God. But you know what? You, you don't just have to do that in the mornings between 5 and 6. You know, that should be something that carries you throughout the day. Somebody said pray arrow prayers. Arrow prayers are the kind that we constantly shoot up to God during the day. Arrow prayers are those prayers that are spontaneous. They're natural. Almost like breathing is to us. Arrow prayers occur in the flow of life. When you're in traffic and you hear that siren coming, you see that ambulance whiz by. An arrow prayer prays for whoever's in there or whoever they're going to help. Or you're driving down the freeway and you see an auto wreck. An arrow prayer says, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to pray for these people right now. I don't even know these people, but Lord, you do. And you know their needs. Maybe you're in school and arrow prayer is, hey, you know what, I'm just going to pray. This, this girl, this guy looks like they're having a tough day. I'm going I'm to just pray for them right now, Lord. See, praying for the right words to say in the midst of a conversation. Praying for safety in an uncertain situation. Those are all prayers that we can offer at any time. We need to pray in an unceasing manner.
0: Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible-teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade 5. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650 9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. By the way, we do have another way that you can access resources from us here at Graceful Truth. Simply download our brand new app. As you go to the app store, simply look for Grace Bible Church C A. Free and ready for download on Android and OS app stores. Thank you so much for taking advantage of these resource materials. It's our hope and prayer that you are using them for your further growth in Christ. Again, simply go to the App Store and look for Grace Bible Church CA and download our app today. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth.